Today on the Almond Journey podcast. If we really think about it, there's literally like no waste that is out there. Which other commodity they can say, oh, they have to throw those away, the hulls. But for this, you have a great use for every part of an almond throughout its whole life cycle. Custom Almonds Vice President of Operations, Bikram Hundle, joins the show. Welcome back to another episode of the Almond Journey podcast brought to you by the Almond Board of California. It's on this show that we discover how growers, handlers, and other stakeholders are making things work in their operations to drive the almond industry forward. I'm your host, Tim Hamrich, and I get to travel up and down the valley, virtually in this case, to feature the leaders who are finding innovative ways to improve their operations and connect with their local communities and ultimately advance this almond industry. Today, we head down south on 99 to Early Mark, California between Fresno and Bakersfield, where we're going to visit with Bikram Hundle. Bikram is the Vice President of Operations for Custom Almonds and Sequoia Nut Company. He's one of the interviews I was able to conduct last year at the 2022 Almond Conference in Sacramento, so we met in person there. Bikram and I talk about how technology is changing the game in almond processing, from optical sorters to artificial intelligence to robotics. He's also excited for the opportunities for data in that process to be shared between growers and holers and processors to capture more value for everyone involved in the industry. An engineer by training, Bikram previously held positions with equipment manufacturer Massey Ferguson and with the Fresno County Public Works Department before his wife's family convinced him to get into the almond industry. It begins our conversation with giving a little bit more about that background. I'm Bikram Hundle and I'm currently managing custom almonds, which is a hulling shelling operation, as well as a finished good processing facility too. So we are managing two brands, custom almonds, and the other one is Sequoia Nut. I'm VP operations, and uh, it was 2015 when I joined the almond industry. Uh, so I'm an engineer by trade. I was working with the County of Fresno Public Works Department building roads and uh, fixing, checking everything on the road. So that's what I was doing before. So probably a big difference. It is, yes. I would say it is 180 degrees. Yes, totally different that uh, we would only used to eat almonds and see, oh, it's just almonds, just eating it. And we got into the, I got into the industry. So it was pretty amazing how I see how we get the almonds all the way from the trees, from the floor to the retail side on the shop uh, shelf. Yeah. Is it a faster paced environment? Oh yeah, that is pretty intense. Yeah. People do not think about it, like even for myself too, but there's a lot of work that goes into it till we get to the right standard where it needs to be so it is edible. Great. And what led you into almonds? So our uh, extended family, they were farming almonds and uh, they kind of pushed me into it. They said, oh yeah, don't wasting your talent in the other side, you know, come to this uh, industry and uh, we might need your help. So uh, my first gig was uh, at Bapu Almond and where I helped uh, design the whole facility and uh, revamp the whole facility. So we put in a lot of electronic solders and uh, new technology into it. And uh, so yeah, that kind of got me into it and I kept going onward. And is that, does that use kind of the same engineering skill set that you're using before? Or is that a totally different type of engineering? So the basics of uh, processing is kind of similar, but there's a lot of new technology out there, like such as these optical solders, and they can take pictures of any defects out there, and they can just kick it out, sort it. We can do whatever we want. The technology is there. It's just the application of that technology into the almond industry. 
So that's what uh, we've been doing. And we've been involving a lot of robotics and artificial intelligence in our sorting processes. So we're collecting all the data. We're making our own data silos so we can relate back to the farms, see how the quality inputs are coming in and kind of relate that to our uh, farm workers and farm supervisors. Wow. is that, I mean, does that set you all apart or is that becoming industry standard? It is having our own data silos fairly new concept right now. It's been used in the grain industry, like uh, wheat and uh, rice industry, those big uh, giants, they have that data because there's a big old farms out there. But in case of almonds, it is catching up, I would say, but it's fairly new. The bigger entities, I'm sure they have started building their own data silos, try to collect uh, all the data from the farms, whatever the quality inputs are getting in, what are the outputs they're getting at the processing side of things and kind of relaying back to the farm to optimize the inputs. No, that's really interesting. So you mentioned the optical sorting. So you've got the cameras that are actually collecting data from the visual appearance of the almonds. And so that's along the line. And then what, what other data goes into it and sort of talk to us about how that kind of processing technology works. Yes. So, uh, like I said, we have these optical sorters. What they do is they capture real-time pictures of the almonds, and we can record how much defects are going through the sorters. And from there, we can quantify that data and relate back to which field it came from and how much is coming out, then tie back to the inputs. And we can go back, oh, this... Uh, ranch was sprayed around this time and we still saw a lot of defects or there's a lot of farm material coming from this ranch. What, what's wrong on the harvest side uh, or uh, which color it came from, which color hull this product and we can uh, kind of compare different colors to from the same field. How does uh, farm materials on this particular ranch compared to the product getting that we received from a different color. And so w- when you take that data back to the grower, you say like, look, you're, we're seeing these defects from this field. And then the grower would say, okay, well, here's what I did. And you just kind of compare notes that way. Yes, we can compare it to him and uh, kind of incentivize him as well. Okay. So this year you only got like only half a percent of serious defects with you. And uh, last year you had like 4% of serious defects. You did definitely do something right uh, this year. Or what changes did you do? Or let's say this year he got like 4% of serious defects and we can kind of tell him, hey, so this year insect damage is really high. So maybe you skipped some sprays or maybe something happened. What happened? So we can go back and kind of incentivize them as well if their quality is really good. You know, hey, we're willing to pay you extra percent or like... uh, uh, extra dollar for your product because it makes uh, our processing faster and easier, smoother. So we do not incur any losses, any production losses sure. while we are processing it. Yes. So we do incentivize if somebody's doing the farming practices because we see that data coming right. through the sorter. We can tell right away how the product is. And it's 100% real-time sampling, 100% of product is being pushed so we can collect. It's not just a random sample. So it's everything. It's collective. Each and each and every single almond we can see through is good or bad. That's the beauty of the technology right now. It's not just based on some random sampling. It's 100%. That's interesting. I wonder if we'll get to the point where through some sort of optical sensing, we can look for you know, um, like pathogens and that sort of thing, you know, where maybe you don't have to pasteurize because you've already kind of validated that they've come through and they're fine. So there is uh, technology out there for aflatoxins, such as uh, if you pass the almonds or the nuts through black light, it will uh, relay a yellow effervescence, uh, yellow color back to it. So it can be detected. There are some sorters that are in the market. They can kind of detect if something is infested with the aflatoxin. And are you guys using that? Uh, not at the moment, but we might. It depends if we are like hit hard by those pathogens, but all it all comes back to the farming side. If you're doing a good job on the farming side of things, as a handler, as a processor, 
it's not something that we induce to the product. So that's uh, something that we always pay attention to. We tell everybody the quality is not built at the facility, the processing side. It is at the farming side of things. Right. We do not add any insect damage. We do not add any of the toxin. It's coming back from the field if something is coming bad. Yeah. And where do robotics play into all this? Yeah, so robotics uh, play a really important role. So I would say the whole industry kind of shifted around the COVID time when uh, we were having huge shortage of workforce and people couldn't come back to work and we had orders to supply. The demand increased and uh, our production uh, levels went down because we did not have enough people to work. So that's really kicked in uh, the use of robotics, even for us too. So we invested heavily in robotics at that time and uh, got a bunch of automated uh, lines and these robots, they can stack and grab the product and tie that in and which can give us real-time data what is the throughput that we are getting at the moment. So we know at the moment, particular instant of time, how many bags we have packed or how many cartons we have packed. But which did lead to another challenge, which was uh, educating the workforce how to run those machines as well, because people were just basic line sorters or forklift operators. They had no clue what is this. And uh, so we started investing in getting them trainings and so they are ready to you know, support these automated production lines. Right. Yes, so we invested in our workforce as well. So they are trained to operate these lines and we do a continuous trainings for them. Great, and so does that happen internally or do you hire a company to help do the trainings? Yes, so our first preference is to train our workforce internally. So we give them the opportunity because they've been working with us, they've been loyal, they've been working with us forever. But of course, if we need a talent from outside, we do seek for that as well. And for some people, I imagine that drastically changes what their day-to-day job looks like from the old way to the, to the new way. I would hope it would be kind of an improvement for them. Or generally, do they take to it and like it? Yes, uh, interesting. And I would say, so I remember, so we had women uh, working on our line sorting, picking almonds by hand back in the days, a couple of years ago. So I told them, hey, you guys better start learning how to drive forklifts because you guys will be the ones driving else this job will be gone uh, sooner or later. So uh, at first they were a little bit reluctant, but eventually all of them started learning and now have 100% of workforce, they're forklift trained. All the women, they are working shoulder to shoulder with men, there's no less than them. And uh, they're operating all of our equipment, all the machines, right? where they were too scared to just working on those line tables, lines uh, and just picking up and uh, being those uh, line sorters. So now they are operating the equipment, the machines, the forklifts, everything. Well, where do you see more room for robotics and artificial intelligence in in your work? Do you see technology uh, having more of a role in the future? And if so, kind of what types of solutions could it offer that you're not using yet? Yes, so on the production side, I think we are catching up with any other production I'm talking about manufacturing the finished goods. We are caught up with whatever the industry is at, overall the processing industry, I would say, for any commodity. However, on the farming side of things, the data that we're capturing on the production sites, now that is being relayed to the farming side, such as, like I said, uh, use of artificial intelligence kind of that can uh, guide the sprayers and that can calibrate the spray rigs. Okay, so that's how much we wanted to and when to spray kind of model schematics for those uh, farm supervisors. Okay, this is how much we want to spray and this is when we want to spray. So all that data is so at least that can be a guiding tool for them rather than just do hit and trial. Oh, I want to spray in March. I want to spray in February or I want to spray that particular time. No. So so that all that data will be available for them to uh, give them a decision. Okay, this is when you want to spray and how much you want to spray and so that they can optimize their uh, farm production. I would say there will be a lot of improvement on the farming side of things. Yes, so all that uh, data and technology that will guide the farmers how to farm efficiently and effectively. 
and part of that is is based on the the feedback from you all and the data from the defects and exactly quality how much we are getting in production what is the quality and quantity the whole goal is optimizing sustainably farming optimizing with the resources to the best of the ability not to overuse any of the resource and not to underuse anything as well which includes water use as well i imagine you've had to learn a lot in 7 years oh yeah every day is a learning day for me i mean i keep it up every day i learn something new yes what what do you like about it i would say um working on the shop floor and going through the production side every day there's always something that happens on the line and kind of finding a solution to a problem so whatever happens something breaks down or something how fast and how efficiently we can get back up i always say okay there's no issue i uh, that's no good at least there is some stupid little bit of issues here and there so that we can always keep improving and how many employees between the the two companies over uh, production side we have about 30 people and if we include the farming side of things so we have about 75 people and had you had uh people reporting to you before you you came to the almond industry yeah no no supervising yeah was not new but yes the industry changed and the way things work was totally different and totally new well you know a lot of people who've come in here talked about sort of the challenges that are facing almonds today you know how do you see that and, and what is your outlook i guess for the the coming months and years for for where almonds are headed The recent challenge that we also was uh, supply chain issues and storage problems like last not this current crop the crop before was huge crop and um, we were not able to ship it all so our warehouses were like exploding we had no place to store it so we had to stockpile our almonds we couldn't hull it we had to delay our hulling so we can consume the product and ship it out and use it and move it so um that was a big challenge so that kind of opened a rise to start investing in warehousing and now what if times like this come back again so that kind of helped us think ahead because nobody anticipated that our supply chain will be hit that bad yeah regardless of the pricing we couldn't ship the product and we had no space to yeah. where to keep the product sure and in that case i mean there's really what what can you do i mean if the supply chain's not moving do you really have any options So that kind of triggered a lot of entities such as Almond Alliance. So they started tying up directly with the shipping line. They started exploring rail options. Let's start railing it from Houston rather than California port because ports were congested. Start railing from New York. We even dry loaded uh, some of our goods and sent on a dry van to a Houston port and then cross docked it over there at the shipping yard. Yeah, so even we, we even did that as well. of course it costed us a lot but still we explored those options too and we were even thinking trucking the goods to Mexico and then from there ship it all out as well so it kind of triggered us triggered everybody the whole every the whole industry to explore all these options all these shipping uh, routes out there so because the california ports just couldn't handle it there were so many ships stuck at the port and do you think there there'll be any lasting changes as a result of, of this challenging time Yes, I would say the port infrastructure is improving and they are investing significantly on Oakland port and uh, Long Beach port. I don't know how long will that take to fully accomplish that, but of course the global production is increasing. Of course we are importing a lot of goods as well and we exporting as well, so we need to have our ports handle that kind of volume. Well, you know, in in your day-to-day work, where are you looking for more efficiencies or or kind of Im- improvements you kind of mentioned you know problems aren't so bad because it means that you, it's a chance for improvement but generally speaking as you you know kind of look at your operation where where do you see areas that uh, you can focus on improvement 
to me, I really want to focus on the throughput and production. We want to pack as efficiently as possible without any rework. So we do not want to do rework it again. We want to know what is in there, what we are packing, and we want to hit it right every time. Customer satisfaction is a number one priority. Whatever our customer demand is, like what grade or quality they expect, we want to meet or exceed that expectation rather than trying to deal with it later on. So that's the improvement we are thriving for and we want to maintain those quality standards without losing any efficiency or throughput. And you know, are you noticing a difference, any changes in what the what the customer wants as far as quality or standards or any trends there? So like about six years ago, everybody used to buy products based out, out of USDA grades. And there used to be a spec of foreign material about 0.02%, which was by percent by weight. And now with the evolution, all these sorters and all these technologies, everybody, every production facility has it. The grade still remains the same. But the expectation is they do not want more than five pieces rather than by weight. Five pieces can be 0.0001 in the whole load, but they do not want more than five pieces or they just do not want any single form material. So that expectation has changed. The grades haven't changed. Still the same, but with all the evolution of technology, it is now a known assumption that the product has to be clean. There cannot be any farm material in regardless. So yes, customer expectation has changed manifold. Wow. How do you handle that with your growers? Because it's hard to elevate that expectation if it's beyond the grade with them. So that's why we started incentivizing our growers who are doing great job in their farming practices compared to the growers who are not. But we kind of show them if they are doing that kind of practice. Let's take a simple example. Uh, let's say a grower, he harvested his uh, crop and he sent a lot of sticks, a lot of rocks in his trailer and look at the fuel prices, the trucking costs. They will charge by the incoming weight on the trailer. What good that's going to do to the grower if he's being charged on the weight of all the dirt, all the trash he sent to the huller? So the huller started charging on the incoming weight, not on the output weight that they processed. Mm-hmm. So that kind of triggers the growers that they started using their conditioners and started doing a clean harvesting job and started taking care of their orchards. So that, that kind of went back to the growers and they saved their money and costs on trucking as well. And are you processing all raw almonds or you guys do any kind of further processing as well? Uh, we are doing raw almonds at the moment. We might expand to uh, manufacturing side of things too. And are you involved in the, the hauling shelling side as well or just on the... Hauling shelling as well, yes. Okay. And so are the markets for holes still strong? I mean, what does that look like from an economic standpoint? Yeah, so this year and last year, the markets were really good. We have never seen these kind of pricing on hulls because the dairy industry is doing really well. And so the dairymen, they can make money and I'm sure they can afford to pay a good price for the hulls. And plus the crop is a little less compared to last year. So the total amount of hulls that will be out there will be significantly less as well. So pricing so far this year and uh, next year forward, I do think that will be pretty strong. So there will be good demand for hulls and shells as well. And is there any new technology advancements there or is it pretty much kind of the the same? On the hulling, shelling side, yes, there's a lot of advancements on dust and any of the dust management and obviously environmental side of things. But the hulling, shelling process, the basics is still the same. It's all about like how faster and how much you can do. Uh, We talked about this a little bit, but anything else that's kind of on your mind going forward as you think about kind of future of almonds or the future of your company, what's, what's top of mind for you? What are you thinking about? 
So people ask me, what do you think? What do you think about best about almond industry? Why not something pistachio? Why not walnuts or anything? I tell everybody, what other commodity that is out there that has like zero waste? We look at an almond, you have their hull, you have their shell, we have a use for it. Even the inedibles that are coming out from the almond, we can process to make some animal feed or oil out of it. So if we really think about it, there's literally like no waste that is out there. Which other commodity they can say, oh, well, we are running pistachio, they're their shells, they have to throw those away, the hulls and whatnot. But for this, we have a great use for every, each and every part of an almond throughout its whole life cycle. That's great. And along those lines, have you all been able to really reduce the amount of like extra dirt and sticks and stuff that come into the whole sheller? Yes. So uh, like I said, uh, there's conditioners available out there. Those newer equipment is available out there that kind of slows the harvesting process, but it eventually helps the hauler shellers to run faster and reduce the overall fuel usage, overall energy costs that needs to run the overall crop. So it is helping uh, that way, yes. So I'm pretty sure all the huller shellers in California are managing their dust very well. Well, I want to go back to something you said earlier about the data that you're collecting in the processing, going back to the grower and then being able to incorporate that into how to optimize their own operations. What does that look like from a practical standpoint? Is there like a data sharing platform or an app? Like how does that get to them to help them make decisions? As of right now, there's not any app available for that. I mean, there might be that I'm not aware of. There might be something. But if not, we will be looking into developing something that will help our own farming operation on that aspect. So we can at least even tell just the farm worker so he can just look at the numbers and it can suggest him, tell, oh, this is what you have to do and how much quantity and that's it. So that can be a decision maker for him. He do not need to uh, wait for the supervisor to tell him what he has to do. So that data can be straight up relayed to a sprayer. And we're talking about already the autonomous tractors and sprayers. So all that can be calibrated or the data can be sent directly to those and they can just run through the orchards by itself. So in a way, so if I imagine a concept of a future farm, I would say everything will be connected. The huller shell or the processor will be connected to their central location for that ranch. It will be sending all the data to it. And from there, that central lady will be relaying all the information to the tractors and ray rigs, all the machines, equipment out there. And uh, those will be calibrated by itself and will be spraying pretty efficiently and in an optimized way, right time and right quantity. I don't know when that will happen, but I think that's what I see. Well, for people listening, your shirt says, make almonds great again. <laughs> yes, so we, we, did, we came up with this idea this year. I said, okay, so uh, last year we came up with the Almond Mafia. So people call us, we are the Almond Mafia. So we're a young group. So all these uh, handlers that we are, this is all extended family. And uh, we try to come up with something new every year with that almond conference. So yeah, people were very disheartened about all they talk about what is the future of almond crop looks like because the price of the commodity is really low at the moment. I tell them there's always ups and downs and um, just uh, weather the storm. Stay with it. It will get better. Good deal. Well, anything we didn't get to that you were you had in mind that you might want to share on, on the podcast? I think uh, Almond Board is doing a phenomenal job, this, like, such as podcast too, like people can listen to, such as me, I, because we drive all around the valley all day long, and we can. it's always good to hear something, what's going on in the industry. Like back then, it wasn't there, and uh, that is really good. And Almond Board is really doing well in uh, expanding their exposure. And um, so I think Almond Board, out of all the boards that I've known and I've seen out there, I think they are the one setting uh, benchmark for everybody else. 
Great. Well, what a positive place to wrap up this conversation with Bikram right here on that note about the almond industry continuing to lead the way. Thank you very much to Bikram Hundle for being on the show and for sharing some of the exciting technologies that are impacting almonds post-harvest. It was particularly cool to hear about how those technologies might also be used to inform what happens in the orchard as well. These comments about grading and quality and getting everyone on the same page are very timely and very relevant. In fact, that's going to be the focus of today's ABC Update. Now, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably already know that almonds are an incredibly versatile ingredient used around the globe for a variety of uses. A standardized system of almond grading helps to ensure confidence in the quality and consistency of almonds purchased for various uses. Just last week, the Almond Board of California released a really instructive video about USDA grades and standards. Senior Manager of Industry Relations and Communications Jenny Nicolau says this short five-minute video provides a step-by-step outline for the the sampling and grading process. Having this almond grading system, which has been around for a very long time, but finally putting visual representation as a tool really that handlers can use with buyers around the world. I don't think most people recognize the minor and then the significant differences within the almond grades and how those difference in grading affect the end use. It's important to put that visual explanation there. This is going to be the first of four different videos that handlers can use with the buying community. But I also think it's a great asset for growers. So often uh, you harvest the product, it drives away to the holer sheller. And I think it's pretty uncommon to think about the grade or the end use. And so this really can help open some eyes about the quality and how what you do in the orchard really affects the end quality of the nut, which in fact impacts what the end result or the end product of that almond is going to be. Yeah, it it really seems like this helps kind of really establish a very clear and common language for quality throughout all of the industry. Talk about what this first video focuses on and then how it fits into this series that you're going to be rolling out. So this first video is really about understanding USDA standards and grades. It's looking at that grades chart. The second video will be understanding the grading parameters, specifically as it relates to defects, tolerances, and sizing. Now, the first two videos are more of an animated approach, but then videos three and four are really kind of on-site live demos. So video three will be the sampling process, And then video four will be the grading process. Now, a lot of these videos are short and sweet because the process is short and sweet. But again, I'm excited that we can put a visual representation to the process and to the standards and grades so that there's just a greater understanding worldwide from the buying community. And these resources, I really think, are going to be a strong asset to the processors out there to help break down any language barriers, because so many times that visual element really helps convey the message so much stronger than words itself. Well, we will leave a link in the show notes directly to that website, which includes the video, a detailed outline to understanding USDA grades and a guide to California almonds technical poster. And stay tuned for those future videos that she mentioned, which will be released in the coming months. Thank you very much to Jenny Nicolau for providing today's ABC update and to her and her team at the Almond Board for continuing to put together these important resources. 
We here at the Almond Journey podcast believe everyone in the almond industry has a story of their own of how they're making things work on their farms or in their jobs. Hearing the voices of industry leaders, people like Bikram Hundle, may spark a connection or an idea that you can use in your own journey. And that's why we want to feature these stories of innovation, resilience, and community here on this podcast. I hope you'll come along for the ride by subscribing to and following the show on your podcast platform of choice. And please pass it along to someone else in the industry so we can all share in this almond journey together. <laughs>